2: Hi, I'm Michael Sestouli and welcome to Cinemates, a podcast where a bunch of mates chat about cinema over some drinks. In this episode, I'm joined by Camilla Pemberton and Angus Newell. And together with Camilla and Angus, we discuss the fine dining black comedy horror, The Menu, directed by Mark Mylod and starring Ray Fiennes, Anya Taylor-Joy, Nicholas Holt and many more. While drinking some brandy, we discuss the originality of the plot performances that most stood out for us, and the film's true meaning. As always, make sure you're following Cinemates wherever you get your podcasts, and leave a five-star review to support us. Now sit back and enjoy this episode of Cinemates.
0: We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. You want it! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Open the pod bay doors now. Is close, but
2: your enemies close. I am nothing. No. Fasten your seatbelts.
0: It's going
2: to be a bumpy night. get busy, lads. You get busy, time. Camilla and Angus, welcome to the podcast. How are we going? Hi, mate. I'm Hi, Camilla.
3: Hey. Hi, Angus. <laughs> Thanks
2: for having us. (laughs) No worries. So Camilla is our friend who's currently living in New York. She's joining us live for the first ever virtual Cinemates episode from Boston. Uh, Camilla, as you may be aware, whenever we have new guests on the podcast, we ask them a few questions about cinema in what we now call the Cinemates gauntlet. Five deep questions to see who you are and what you like to watch. So first question most memorable movie that you saw in cinemas?
3: Um, Okay, so I think for me it was Shang-Chi, which is the new, well, at the time it was the new Marvel movie (laughs) because um, it was the first movie I worked on and it was really exciting to see it on the screen. Um, But can I I add another one? Because Call Me By Your Name, I know you did the podcast on it, but I sat in that cinema crying for like, 15 minutes after it finished. That was also very memorable.
2: <laughs> it is so good. Great, great film. And amazing mm-hmm. uh, phase four film in Shang-Chi as well. So that that's a good answer too. <laughs> Next yeah. question. Fastest TV show binge? Uh,
3: Fleabag. Ooh, I watched Fleabag sitting in one position in my bed, like on my <laughs> side for I think the whole of the season two. So that was like... Multiple hours sitting in one position.
2: Jesus. <laughs> What's it about?
3: <laughs> um, Fleabag is a British – is it British? I think so, yeah. Um, TV series um, written by Phoebe Waller-Bridge who um, has gone on to do mm. some really interesting stuff. Recently she was supposed to write the new Mr. and Mrs. Smith movie. with. Um, yeah. Um, but she was bunked off it apparently.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I've heard um, – Fleabag is really good, and she's really come onto the scene. I think she worked on the No Time to Die as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, heard good things. So probably fair enough that you binge the hell out of it. Next question: favorite Australian movie?
3: Favorite Australian movie is Breath
2: Ooh.
0: by.
3: It's based on a Tim Winton book um, with Simon Baker. Yeah. Um, amazing. It's about a. Have you guys seen it?
0: Yeah,
4: no, I've, I've, I've seen it. Yeah, it's quite weird, but. It's a good movie. Well,
3: yeah, loved it. It was I. Th- oh, I thought it was amazing.
4: It's just like it's just like two two like Aussie boys like growing up, loving to surf, and they mm. find like the local surfing guru, and then it's sort of just like a coming of age story. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, very uh, very Aussie. Yeah. yeah. No, I've heard good things, and that has been answered a few times.
3: It's very yeah. It's very, very distinctly Australian.
2: Yeah, nice. We'll have to watch it. Mm-hmm. Next question: A movie that you think everyone needs to see.
3: A movie I think everyone needs to see is For Sama which is a documentary, and I think it's really important because it spreads a very powerful message. What's it about? Um, Fasama is about a family who raised children, raised a daughter, a young daughter during the Syrian war um, and their experience in war, Um, and it's really eye-opening and it's incredibly upsetting, and it, yeah, it spreads a really powerful message about people who, grow through war and have mm. families through war as well.
2: Yeah. Interesting. I definitely, definitely want to watch last question TV mm. show that you're watching at the moment.
3: At the moment I'm watching Friday night lights, um, which, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> which I've become completely for the into. first time. Yes. for The first time. Um, it's a 2006 TV. Because right. She's
4: American now. And
2: it's all about football.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Inspired yeah. by Texas. Maybe. <laughs>
2: Longhorns, nice answer. Well, let's get into it then. So to the listeners out there who haven't seen The Menu yet, which we're going to talk about in this episode, Camilla and Angus, what would you say about the film in one word and what would you rate it out of five stars? Camilla, you go first.
3: Okay. I… One word. Provocative. And okay. not in the… Not sexually. but <laughs> Yeah, um, and rating. Yeah. And rating. My rating… Is eight out of ten. Okay. Or are you doing it out of five? We're doing we're out, out of five, of five.
2: Yeah. but that's okay. So four out of five.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'll settle with a four out of five.
2: Yeah, nice. Angus,
4: um, I came up with my word just before recording because mm. I forgot. But I'll just go with hungry. Oh my god. Because <laughs> the the way the food was okay. presented made me very hungry. But then also the fact that the serving sizes were just ridiculously small. <laughs> Made me hungry as well. Obviously, it's a movie about food, so it's always going to make me hungry. And my rating, uh, uh, coming out of the cinema, I gave it 4.5. Um, and that was purely because I thought, I just gave, dropped it to 0.5 because I thought Anya could have used her range a little bit more. We like all know she has that range of acting. Um, Interesting. And then I've dropped it to a 4 after like a couple of weeks of mulling it over because I think there was a few plot holes or a few unanswered questions that I would have liked the answers to. Ooh. Okay. Interesting.
3: Can I elaborate on my rating?
4: Please do. <laughs> yeah, rebuttal.
3: Okay. I gave the film a seven out of 10, which would be, I gave the film a three out of five, and I gave the concept of the film a five out of five.
4: Okay. So is that where you, yeah, you
2: settle in your average of four?
3: And that's where I've settled in the average of four. Goodness. Nice. I'm a
2: smart guy. Interesting. Yeah, I think <laughs> I agree. I, okay, me being a bit of a foodie, maybe I'm a bit biased here, but I absolutely loved it. And for that reason, originally, and this is pretty <laughs> boring and basic of me, but my original word was amazing, but I'm going to change it to entitlement <laughs> because I think the movie sends a strong message about entitlement. Mm. Was it a cinemazing movie? It was a <laughs> – wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was a cinemazing movie uh, for me at least. So I gave it a 4.5. Um mm-hmm. Similar to you, Camilla, I think the story and the originality of it was mm. a five. Y- yeah, like I wouldn't say it was like a five for me. Like a, f- a five in my books is, you know, that sort of top tier, life-changing, maybe a few tiers sort of status. But nonetheless, yeah, absolutely loved it. So much fun in the cinema. Um, and for that reason, yeah, I just thought it was a great film.
3: Can I say as well, when you said it's fun in the cinema... The movie is really fun in the cinema, but the rewatch value is much less than a movie that should be five stars. Yeah, I
4: agree. And we both both haven't seen it twice.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: No, and you have. Mm -hmm. I think that um, Mm -hmm. the kind of shocks and the laughs, I don't know if they came out in the second viewing for you.
3: Not as much.
2: Yeah, which is pretty interesting. But I think um, that first sort of reaction to it maybe is what makes it great. But we'll dive in now. So Mm -hmm. for me, first few things that sort of came kind of in terms of overall thoughts, I thought the cinematography was stunning and the set design. Um, Cinematographer Mm -hmm. Peter Deming, who'd worked on Mulholland Drive and a few other great films. um, I thought it was just so like sensory and especially with the food and like the landscape of the island, um, like showing you like little snippets of like the plants and like water and it like… Really, just made you kind of dive into this, like obviously very secluded and closed environment. Mm. And I think that, as you said before, Angus, like the food was just so beautiful, and like seeing the chefs prepare it. And I think actually, um, I don't know if it was the same people, but I'm pretty sure they got people that worked on Netflix's Chef's Table yeah. who do a lot they of those did. like slow mo. It was
4: the it was the videographers yeah. and food like food designers. They got from Chef's Table, and then I'll carry on from that fact. I thought this would be brought up later, but I can just do it now. Yeah. Um, this chef, Dominique Crenn, um, recreated like several of her dishes for the movie, and they're like all staples of her San Francisco restaurant, like Atelier oh. Crenn. Um, which I looked up. It's about like an average of four hundred and fifty US dollars per person to dine there, <laughs> and oh. the menu changes every day. Um, so yeah, like lots of lots of those. Um, dishes were were real and prepared by mm. her.
3: I think that ha- those, but having it as well in that setting that you said, like with the water and the plating and everything just enhances mm. the film's prestige and inaccessibility because oh, it is yeah, so exactly. amazing and it is so exclusive. Um, so I feel like they did set the scene really mm. well there.
2: Yeah. And I think um, on that point, like the film really is just at the kind of dock where they're all, all the guests are waiting and then it's all at the island, um, but even still, we were still kind of able to really build the, as you said, the exclusivity and kind of start to show us how much of a like an amazing opportunity be to be there. And then we understand why the characters are so. I'm going to be a bit harsh here, but like fucked and entitled. <laughs> um, by their reactions to having that opportunity.
3: Great, great vocab Mikey.
2: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, But what did you guys think? Like any, any sort of main overall thoughts that really jumped out to you first viewing?
4: Um, I just like the, um, like the break, the breakdown of all the different um, guests. Mm. Obviously they're all like categorizations of sort of entitlement um, or opinionated people. Um, and I can just break mm. down like the group. So you had Tyler, who was like a food snob, but eventually we find out like he doesn't really know anything about like how to be in the kitchen. Mm. Um, you got Margot, she's a tag along. Um, and you got the food critics, you got the main critic and then her assistant that disagrees with everything she says. You got the finance bros, or I um, also <laughs> call them the Wall Street wankers. You got um, <laughs> the rich couple who. <laughs> You find out have been there like ten times, and they just don't, don't really appreciate it. what what they're paying for. Yeah, and they're taking the opportunity out of mm. someone else's hands. <laughs> and then you've got the movie star who trying to be a foodie. He also doesn't really know what's going on, and uh, the Brown alumni assistant. So that's the squad of people you've got.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah, massively. And I think
2: each awesome. character, yeah, kind of talks about certain themes and. Different stereotypes, but in that sense, Camilla, what do you think about kind of the overall premise of the story and just kind of about those sort of stereotypes and what what they really speak about?
3: Yeah, for sure. I think that the movie's strength uh, really lies in its allegory and what it's trying to tell the audience, and it's Mm. um, the purpose of storytelling. I don't think the movie's strength lies in the actual movie itself and the narrative. Um, and I think upon first viewing there were so many questions about the themes of the film and what it was trying to tell us, especially with those characters that you mentioned, Angus, like are they trying to show us the seven deadly sins? Can we categorise the characters into Mm. each sin? Can we look at the characters in a way that they are just complete caricatures of themselves? Um, And so I think that is – really interesting Um, but the questions that I thought about a lot um, were it raised the movie for me raised questions of external validation um, wealth desire obviously chasing celebrity status Um, and but most of all the film for me was all about the service industry who you serve um, who serves you and who you enable um, through the service industry Mm. who you're enabling through servicing them. Um, and that's what I thought a lot about yeah. after watching the, the film.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Great takes there. I think that the amongst all the stereotypes and really all those messages about the service industry, industry rather, I think you could really relate it to any service-based industry. Like obviously from mm-hmm. face value, it's about the culinary industry, but you could relate it to like film or like literally sport. anything, sport, yeah. you know, Who is enabling? It's just where,
4: like, the um, wider range of people have opinions. Mm. They want to put their their two cents in for everything. Yeah, Um, and you've got yeah, you've got Mm -hmm. one side of people that are working hard to make it their profession, and the others that are criticizing and
2: and consuming it all. Yeah,
3: yeah, and who gets a say? Who gets an action? Because a lot of people get no action Mm. and they get no say if they work in service. Um, Yeah, and if you do have a say, who that affects? as
2: well yeah massively i think another thing for me just from like a film point of view i think that amongst all these different people their dialogue was just so creative and just so funny i think that they really because it's a dark comedy kind of horror mm-hmm. at the end of the day i think that the balance that they had between driving home all those messages that we talked about and also the horror and the jokes really well what did you guys think of the kind of dialogue and I guess also the like – because it's an ensemble cast with some amazing actors. What did you think Mm. about the dialogue and also the chemistry between them all?
4: I'll let Camilla get into her quotes after I just say this um, because I can't really remember a lot of the quotes. It was very funny. But I thought the element of um, placing out the movies, like um, phases, times um, with the menu Mm. was amazing. And even just those little – um, blurbs of, like, a menu dish on the um, yeah. on the screen would make people laugh. So that's not even dialogue. It's just, like, text the, the set up text of the movie um, mm. and not even quoting him, but um, Ray Fiennes' character, Chef, um, some of his just, like, little one-liners or payouts of the guests mm. were, were quite amusing.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I think that the use of humour um, – it almost didn't relieve tension in the way that movies are supposed to relieve, have tension relieved through humour. Um, I feel like this film didn't mm. do that at all. Instead it created um, extra frustration because you already had this idea of, the, yeah. of all the characters and then they would speak exactly what you knew was going to come out of their mouth and it was humorous <laughs> and it was funny but it was so frustrating because they were just like, as mentioned previously, they were caricatures of each other. Um, of themselves and of the yeah. wealthy. Um, but yeah. I Yeah, gonna, like for example,
4: whenever the finance whenever the finance bros spoke, you just were like, oh, okay. You knew. Exactly what they would that say. That that's what you always say. knew every yeah. single time that assistant of the critic would speak, he would just be agreeing. Like everything that came out of mm-hmm. his mouth, you would expect.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. My favorite… Um, Okay, one of the quotes, one of the pieces of dialogue that I think really wraps the film up completely um, mm. is when Janet Mateer's character, who was Lillian Bloom, who was the, the critic, the food critic, she says that when all of the violence is going on around them, she says, I honestly believe that this whole thing is for our benefit. And she speaks of the violence <laughs> and people dying just like, I honestly felt like she felt like it was the violence was paired with her food, like the wine, like that's how she saw it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that self-centered, and as if she was like her, deserving of how it. the night was happening. Yeah. And how, and how the whole night was just about them and their experience, and they were being served by everyone else. It's a very self-centered yeah. um, way of thinking.
2: No, nah, I definitely agree, and I think that um, yeah, that really summed it up, and like the way that. You know, you think about dialogue and just how kind of, again, those caricatures and kind of what they're really speaking about was able to be funny but also say so much. I thought the film did really well with. And I think that everyone's performances amongst this, like we've talked about the different characters and kind of how they were just played so well. Like obviously you got the main chef, Chef Slowik, you got Margot, you got Tyler, they all speak about something. And I think… Um, I heard that a lot of the ensemble used a lot of improv, and what they did with that is kind of off screen. They would tell these fake stories about from their characters' lives to each other, and I think that you know when we got these lines from um, Janet McTeer's character, Lillian Bloom, like uh, saying like, "Oh, like I think this is all for our benefit." Like they would have kind of made up all these things that really like spoke about their character. But also mm. I think that, you know, the the chemistry that they were able to have with each other and kind of really dive into what each character was standing for I thought was really amazing. Mm. And, again, it was still able to be funny and deep and everything. So I yeah. thought that that I was thought, really cool for me.
3: I thought as well that the movie put all the main character energies in one room. They took all the main character energies mm. in terms of, Greed and um, gluttony and all of those things and all of the, the attributes that you just don't want to have um, and they put all of them in one room and yeah. seeing them interact with each other in the one room was really interesting. Like having the finance mm. bros be in the same room because they are the main character in their own lives but be in the same room as the food critic yeah. and be in the same room as the movie star. That mm. playing with those characters was really interesting to watch unfold.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think one one quick more thing was – that was interesting is that they're in this restaurant and each kind of group has their own little table and their own little world. But then the interactions between them, like you said, were just really interesting. Um, and especially as the story unfolded, which we'll get more into. But one more quick thing I wanted to say was, um, originally when I heard that this movie was coming out, I was like, oh, this is probably like You know, similar to like Burnt, like they get a few A-list actors. They're going to be talking about fine dining, blah, 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 blah. But, and I watched the trailer, but I didn't have really much expectation of how good it was and what the story was about. And I think that that first viewing, because me, Angus and another friend, Pat, all saw it together and we were just kind of blown away, like laughing and like at the edge of our seat. And I think that because of that, I thought for me just wanted to say this. I thought it was up there with one of the like better and most creative comedies of the year. Like you think of kind of everything everywhere all at once where they like build these like little worlds with these amazing characters. And I think that those have made for just the most like refreshing movies. Like me and Angus are massive Marvel fans. Mm. um, And for me like Star Wars and stuff as well. And we're getting a bit fatigued with that sort of stuff. But to have like this original film was just so great to be at.
3: I will yeah, I raise one thing on that note, though. I read a really interesting review mm. recently and it spoke about this whole theme of Eat the Rich and how it's, um, I don't think it's a tired um, genre of comedy. I think it's hilarious and I love it. Um, but yeah. there was the point raised that having characters who are caricatures of themselves and are pawns and, and someone else's game makes for less memorable acting
2: what do you think i think so cuz they kind of all get convoluted with each other and blend into each other but i think you, you can still look back and remember like great quotes and lines but
4: the yeah thing, that is an interesting <clears throat> point it doesn't hurt ha- i feel like it might not harm the acting it just harms the like the memorability of like a word yeah yeah memorability <laughs> of like their characters i think chef like, he's very memorable in my eyes. Like, just thinking about, like, watching it a few weeks ago. But maybe um, Anya's character, Margot, like, sort of just a character that might go by the wayside in her career. Mm-hmm. Um, like, nothing incredibly special about it. Even um, Tyler. And just all of them. Like, they are big um, identifiers on, like, people in society. But they're not going to be, like, a, I don't know, big characters. Like, the Joker. You're like, oh, wow. Like, yeah. that's a, mm-hmm. That's a character or… Just yeah, I feel like you, it gives them range to act. But if there's too many of them, it's too oversaturated.
3: But they also don't, I think, as well in that way that they don't have, they don't have the range of external desires, internal desires, wants and needs, as well like as well yeah. as a character um, who isn't playing a game in someone else's uh, as a porn in someone else's game would be. I don't know.
4: Anyway. Yeah, so, like, they're just getting led along, like, the storyline. Yeah, they
3: don't have control. Yeah. But that's the whole point, I guess. They don't have control of their fate. And they never did. And they there they won't be a moment in the movie where they do.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, but let's dive into it now. There's obviously mm-hmm. some massively memorable moments uh, within the film. One thing that I think got me, like, on board with the movie straight away was... Tyler's character so he's Nicholas Holt's character he's a big foodie Um, we don't hear that he has like a big social following or something but you can just kind of like imagine his what he does day to day but like little kind of laughs out of me were just like him taking photos of every single dish and like Margot is like not into food at all he's his escort for the day Um, and their dynamic and like kind of when we hear Chef's first course speech and how he's like, you know, do not eat, like accept your surroundings. And Tyler's just there like, oh my God. And he's like crying. He's like laughing it all Straight off. away. <laughs> I just thought it was a great way to like get into the film.
3: Yeah, it was. I think as well, Tyler as a self-proclaimed foodie and as someone who you instantly know he's chasing <laughs> external validation. You instantly know he's chasing... Yeah. Um, to be wanted um, and to feel like he is right about everything. And you can see that in the first scene when he's having that oyster that's not really an oyster and um, Margot says, I'd rather an oyster. And he was like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like this is much better than any (laughs) oyster could ever be. Um, But I think that him being a self-proclaimed foodie and his comments, opinions It means he's self-righteous and it really creates the space where Chef Sloan Mm. can play with him a lot more than any other character.
2: Yeah, massively. I think um, some of those amazing scenes were kind of where he's like, oh, shit, Chef's like looking at me and like…
4: He's like, I want want, like his validation. I want him to like me.
2: Yeah, yeah. And like (laughs) I really connected with that as well because I am a big foodie myself. I'm not (laughs) at his level (laughs) but… (laughs) <laughs> like if I if I went to an amazing restaurant, um, like I have been to a few that have been like incredible. And yeah, you do want to be a good customer and like be a kind of good consumer of the chef's meal. And like mm-hmm. one experience I had was um, went to Fire Door, which uh, in Sydney, which chef's table actually mm. didn't ever sit on the cook Lennox Hasty. And so when I went there, I was like, "Holy shit, holy shit!" And just like they like let us get a photo with him and stuff. And I would when I watched this, I was like, "Fuck!" Like <laughs> that was was me. that me? Like <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: that was definitely but, you. <laughs> crying, a <laughs> tear, single tear down your cheek. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe not the tears, but um, I just thought that was a, a great like sort of wave way for the chef to show his dominance as well.
3: I think with Tyler being so self-righteous and with him critiquing when he can't mm. do, he can, you know, talk the talk, but he can't walk. Yes. Um, <laughs> it The humour in Tyler's death comes because the film's violence and the history of the film's violence all up until that point leads us to believe that Tyler has been welcomed into the kitchen and he's going to be brutally murdered mm. by some, you know, cook who's going to stab him and it's going to be horrible. Um but the funny bit yeah. about it was he just was humiliated and he just killed himself instead. <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question,
1: the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At Bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door.
3: Like, it wasn't, Dude, it wasn't so That was
4: pretty murder. dark.
3: Incredibly dark. The like, chef,
4: like, whispered in his ear and was like, like, yeah. probably was like, you are a disgrace. Yeah. Go and end your life. And he's like, yeah. okay, yes, chef.
3: Yeah. Yes, chef. <laughs> <laughs> and it placed Tyler in this perfect position to be played with by the person he was seeking validation from. And so to be forced to feed yeah. everyone and to do such an embarrassing job that was enough for Tyler to then mm. not be a character anymore in the story, which I thought was hilarious.
2: Yeah, absolutely. For me, this was like my favorite scene of the whole movie. We see Tyler's excitement like about, um, you know, being let into the kitchen, but also his nervousness. Like he knows he's a mm. he's not a cook and he's a bit of a fraud in that way. Um, but like the editing of it, so he's like, chef's like down his neck saying like, what are you going to cook? We've got everything. Like, come on cook me something and then he's like oh like leeks Get me some leeks and like some lamb and he like starts cooking and he burns his hand because he's not using like a tea towel yeah. and like all these little <laughs> things and then yeah. like we don't actually hear what chef says to him but like you said we can kind of infer he's like you're a disgrace like you're a grub and all this stuff I don't know what he says mm-hmm. but um, then to see that he has taken his own life was insane and very dark but again speaks to how what you said Camilla about how um, Chef was able to dominate The person that you would think Would be The like One wanting va- validation oh, from but him But at
4: this point Sort of like We don't really care That he's hung himself Because Anya doesn't care either Or Margo, he, Because like he re- Chef reveals that he Knew they were all gonna die Like he Came along for the ride And he brought a guest Who was unaware They were gonna die as well So At yeah. that point You, you sort of realise He's a bit of a piece of shit
2: One extra thing That the entire cinema burst out laughing was after that they still serve up what he cooked which was yeah. like leeks and lamb and yeah. when they showed the dish the text came up saying tyler's bullshit, and yeah. that was the funniest moment for me the literal whole cinema burst out laughing just from two words and i mm. think that that was so good
3: can i ask a question actually After that scene happened, after Tyler excused himself from the kitchen and went out back, the chef made a really um, interesting point. He kept saying to the guests, this wasn't planned. He kept saying, this wasn't planned. I don't know if you guys picked that up, but he was like, I'm sorry the night's taking a different turn. This wasn't planned. This wasn't supposed to happen. And it kind of, upon second watch, I realised that that whole piece almost felt like it was improv. Yeah. And I don't know why they didn't – he made a point to say that wasn't planned.
2: Because I wonder what he had planned for Tyler originally as yeah. the like foodie, you know, what mm. sort of death was he going to give to him. So the yeah. fact that he then kind of as the night went on, he was obviously taking photos of every dish. Maybe it he just, just thought – pissed
4: him off because he was taking photos.
2: Yeah. And he probably was kind of thinking to himself, chef that is, like – you know what, if you're this big like consumer who knows everything about cooking and he just like, you know, starts to say those things at the table, like, you know, like, you know, food, like maybe you should come into the kitchen and they give him like a jacket and all that stuff. And maybe he yeah. just went with it. I think it was improv. It's an interesting question. He
3: wrote he wrote his name in a, in a, I think that's the other really important part. He wrote his name in a permanent marker. He didn't have a... <laughs> You know this chef is so meticulous. He's planned everything, and so to not have a jack a chef coat or whatever that you know what they wear mm. with his name on it means it was planned. He wrote it in permanent marker like a child.
2: Yeah, it's like <laughs> a children's like handwriting, like so it's hard to write shit. on someone's
4: chest. To be fair, but,
2: yeah, but he pro- he probably did that to <laughs> make him think like I won't spell this out well because. I know what's yeah he probably did know he's like I know what your fate is in like the next twenty yeah. minutes so um do you wanna go on yeah
4: one uh, a quick like one of my little favorite scenes or um interactions was when he we were sort of finding out the reason why he wanted to kill all these people mm-hmm. and he just gets to the actor and and he was like like we're not actually really good friends he's been like lying and bullshitting the whole time <laughs> he's like wait so like why am I here to the chef and the chef's like yeah so listen I was. I had uh, my first day off in about three months and I just wanted to relax. I sat down, put on one of your movies and it was like the <laughs> shittest thing I've ever watched in my life. So you wasted my day off and that is why you're here. And it was like <laughs> yeah. so subtle and the, and the actor was like, the, the, act, the movie star actor was like, yeah, all right, fair, whatever. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes he like, the accepted agree, his fate.
3: Yeah, the agreeing of the characters to say, I, I agreed. My favorite bits were... When the chef was justifying why every person should die, and everyone was kind of like, mm. Yeah, right, I'm like, fair enough. Um, that was so funny. Or the, to me. But my the favorite, Brown student. <laughs> yes, that was my favorite. My favorite line was when he asked Felicity um, if she had student loans after going to Brown, and she said no. And he was like, Yeah, you're <laughs> dying, um, which I just think is <laughs> <was> hilarious. <laughs> um, and I also think that the wealth, like, It made me, not to get biblical, but it made me think of this um, part of the Bible which speaks about wealth, and the quote is, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, which means that to be wealthy in that way is a sin. Um, And you can see that in all the characters, Mm. whether they're wealthy or whether they're just indulged, um, which can be kind of interpreted in the same way. And I thought about that a lot when I looked at each character's flaws.
2: Definitely. Yeah, you're getting a bit too deep here, Camilla. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) First biblical quote on the pod.
3: (laughs) Feel free to cut it.
2: (laughs) No, no, we love it. No, I definitely agree.
3: Okay. We're only, I think the other thing that's interesting to mention is that Chef Slowick only gives us what each person did. That was one wrongdoing in their life, you know. Um, The men, the finance Mm. bros, embezzling all the money um, and only being given one reason why people should die really inhibits the viewer to then develop their own opinions about whether the guests are worthy of forgiveness. And I think that's also interesting.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Massively. I think, um, yeah, looking back on it, like we got told one thing that was bad and immediately we kind of Agreed and sided with Chef to be like, you know what? Yeah, that's that's fair. Like, yeah,
4: but in in all seriousness, like Chef, like the Chef is like a psychopath at this point, and we've just blanketed like negativity mm. over all these guests by, as Camilla said, by like one wrongdoing they've like done in their life.
2: Mm. Like,
4: they could be good people in about seven out of eight aspects of their life, like if I'm just randomly picking out a number. Mm. But yeah. he's just got a little vendetta against them for one thing.
2: Mm. Mm. Then again, each character also has revealed their like true self or at least we think like throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's probably why we just immediately jump on board with Chef's reasoning. And I think another great scene that also added to it was the taco scene where all the tortillas (laughs) have laser printed some other like wrongdoing. Oh, actually, it's still their main wrongdoing. Like for example, the bankers have like some sort of fraud wire transfer. <laughs> and like the way that that's mm-hmm. like revealed, again, we probably just immediately side with Chef at this point despite him being a psychopath.
4: I think those guys were pretty yeah.
3: like…
2: Dodgy.
4: Yeah, they, they were pretty shitty all around to be honest. Mm.
3: <laughs> they might have given a lot to charity. <laughs>
4: yeah, they we gave don't a lot know. to charity for <laughs> selfish like reasons though to look good.
2: Yeah. I think um, yeah. another really… Interesting scene. Again, another um, sort of similar scene to what we talked about with Tyler. What did you guys think about uh, the sous chef who killed himself as like the second or third course?
3: Yeah, that was pretty gnarly. I think that was a really important um, point in the film Um, because that's where, for me, that's where the first questions of the service industry were raised. So we're introduced – so briefly to the sous chef, Jeremy, um, who, you know, violently shoots mm. himself through the, through the mouth. Um, and the chef immediately minimizes his life. And he says, this is, Jeremy is someone who has given everything to people he will never know. And that for me placed the movie within this theme of a life is wasted, enabling and serving the rich. Um, and, Yeah, it it made me wonder if the life serving the wealthy is just as bad as living as one. And I think that's what the chef was trying to say by killing off Jeremy.
4: And like he did like like force or Jeremy like killed himself but it's pretty hypocritical of him to demean Jeremy's life when he's sort of been doing the same thing for Mm. probably the past 20 years. Which is obviously why he goes down in the blaze with everyone at the end because he's ashamed of what he's become. Um, But it also like shows that, you know, maybe in the service industry, all these people that are inferior to the, you know, the head chef or the, you know, the man in charge, they're they're willing and able to do anything in their power to, I don't know, meet their validation. Um, As we, we see constantly throughout the movie, like they're all like robots, all the chefs in the kitchen. Um, And saying, like, yes, Chef, I love you, Chef. Like, like they're his minions at this point.
0: Yeah. Mm.
3: Yeah, interesting. And I think that also kind of brings up the point where Chef Slowick says to Margot, you're going to die, but are you going to die with those who give or with those who take? All are damned. Um, And I think that that puts Jeremy perfectly in the position of saying that you're no better than anyone else.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Okay. I wanted to ask what you guys thought of the bread scene, the lack of bread, and how Chef Slowick <laughs> introduces us to the theme um, of food as like a, a historical reminder of class and prestige.
2: Yeah, I absolutely loved that. I thought, um, you know, he was telling us the history of bread and how it's mostly kind of um, well, historically has been for like peasants because it's just flour and water and it's very like mm. abundant and that sort of thing. And then for him to then say like and for that reason you're not getting the bread and like we hear about how the yeah. bread at um, the restaurant was like so famous and then we start to see all their reactions mm-hmm. and I thought that was like so good. Like I think it's the finance pros who say and they're like wait are you fucking serious? Like and it's just a plate of like oils and like little emulsions like, and things. And, and um, then like we see the reaction of the critics and they're like oh my God, like, I love this. Like, this is so, like, interesting. And so then savvy. Um, I think, <laughs> yeah. And then they they say, oh, actually, I think this, like, emulsion is split. And, like, he gives them, like, a, a bowl of, like, this split emulsion. Um, and then the finance bros, like, keep saying, you know, like, you know, we've invested in this restaurant. Like, surely we can have some bread and stuff. And I thought that was just, like, a great way to... Because it's early on.
3: But I also think that none of the... It was interesting because none of the characters, it, it showed the lack of self awareness from the characters. No one picked up on the double entendre of this action. No one realized that they were being mocked mm. in that moment.
2: Yeah. And especially Tyler. Um, Tyler was eating it up. He yeah. loved it. And Margot was just like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, what is this? And Tyler's like, oh my God. Like, and he's trying the oil. He's like, oh, like, this is amazing. And they're, again, the other thing is that they've paid like so much money and to be given a few like drops of, liquid Mm. again it just like ties into that whole satire one of the scenes that really hit me the most was actually the ending um, where we see this challenge between Margot and chef and he kind of finally starts to get on board with like her you know firstly not deserving to die but also starts to like touch back to why he really became a chef and she asks for a cheeseburger um mm-hmm. and i think that the scene of him making it the shooting of it seeing him actually smiling and like loving instead of making these like fine dining amazing dishes he goes all the way back to where he started and he makes his cheeseburger and we see her reaction and she's just like you know loving it and i think that that really spoke to just like the true joy firstly of cooking and i really connected with that being a foodie again but also how people can lose touch with the reason that they get into these service industries. Like Chef has gone to this amazing peak of like the world's best chef and then to be like brought back down to why he, you know, first got into it and like losing sight of that. And I thought that was really interesting.
4: You've sort of captured that whole scene as a whole, but I thought um, Fiends, acting in that final part like when he's observing her eating the burger
2: Mm.
4: he he like genuinely comes across very like childlike like in his eyes and in his little smirk like and it's back to when he's probably like fresh like Mm. even like 16 17 18 working at the burger joint yeah he started at like he's 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 like a 50 60 year old man and he looks Mm. like very um like child childly
2: yeah Absolutely.
3: Um, I think the ending, I have so many questions about the ending and I think it can be interpreted so differently. But I think that Margot confronting Chef Slowick, claiming he doesn't cook with love, he cooks with obsession, is Mm. really important to that scene. And sending the food back to the kitchen and saying she's still starving and she's just not satisfied. She classed herself as not like the rest. The rest are insatiable. But she um, is insatiable in other ways. But she wants to be satisfied, and she wants she knows how she wants to be satisfied, which kind of goes into her escort background. Um, mm. But well, it, it, because it's about the service industry. When you think of it like that, yeah, it is. Um, and I think that that I think that what Michael you said before it puts the film in perspective of capitalism kills passion. And serving the people yeah. and getting this money and paying—it's taken all passion out of his the love for cooking and sharing food with those he loves.
4: Beautiful. <laughs> all right, I've got some. These are my unanswered questions that like yeah. sort of rattled me. Um,
3: mm-hmm.
4: I had just really quick on what was the deal with his mum? Like, why does he want to kill his mum? Why is his mum just like a drunk sitting there?
3: Oh, the mum. The mum was a tricky one. The mum, for me, I think was also someone who he couldn't um, satisfy. Mm. But I, I agree. I was wondering why the mum was there in the first place.
4: Actually, yeah. No, I like that take. That makes me feel a little bit better.
2: Yeah. I like think she that- didn't really
4: care about his accomplishments and he was just like, yeah, sad that he'd never been able to live up to… Or just even… Um, make her proud but she probably yeah it felt like she just didn't like understand the level that he'd gotten to and and care about you know his passion
2: yeah the other thing with her character was that we hear about the story of how he had a a very abusive father with the whole um stabbing him in the thigh and then there were like tacos with Mm -hmm. those but yeah she she might have been fairly kind of um abused and things as well but i think that her being there and just kind of Almost being like oblivious to the situation and not caring. I think, yeah, maybe spoke to kind of, like you said, Angus, like maybe not fully giving him the validation of his achievements. Yeah.
4: Another, another uh, little point I had that I really, like I picked up on. Actually, this is just a fun point. Um, In his office, when he's talking to Margot, you've got um, these little folders, like maybe like an inch thick of like a whole singular year's reservations. Think about how massive those folders would be or multiple folders mm. would be for regular restaurants and he's just got the one, one little one. Like probably like people coming in like once every two weeks. Mm. And then um, a question I have was when his like head waitress um, played by Hong Chow Elsa, um, gets killed by Margot. She says like right before dying like he didn't tell me about the barrel. When um, he had, like sent Margot off on a little trip to go, you know, get this barrel that he needed, and mm-hmm. and the reason why he sent Margot is because Elsa had forgotten to bring it in. And she says, "Yeah, he didn't tell me about the barrel," and um, that sort of made me think, like, okay, like, did he, did he like adjust a plan once he saw that Tyler wasn't bringing the original girl? Like, did he see that? Do a bit of research on her, realize, you know, she's not one of these like top class. Entitled people, and then um, purposely not tell Elsa about this barrel, just so like she could have a way to get out, discover you know his backstory, and and if she did, then it means he's passed. She's passed his test, mm. and he would let her free.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that her character, like we saw how. Um, obedient to him she was and she knew every element of everything like she knew all the customers she knew the timings she knew everything so for her to be completely thrown off by the absence of this barrel and like where it needs to go and instructions really showed kind of these other people that sit underneath these big service industry people and how maybe they rely a bit too much on others and try and always fulfill like tasks and things to get the ultimate job done um and to show that like one little barrel and we don't know what's in the barrel like we just hear that it's this this random barrel and we're kind of like why is like margot having to do this
4: but why why did Mm. elsa like he would have told elsa about the barrel he said i told her and she forgot
2: yeah and then it throws her into like a chaotic feeling like oh shit like he didn't tell me like you know so i think that that is what, like, sort of drove her a bit, like, insane.
3: I think it places Margot's character perfectly into the question of are you going to die with those who give or die with those who take? And part of me thinks that it was just a good setup to allow Margot to have the opening of um, Escaping Um, and it it feels like another one of – another point in the movie where it was unplanned, just like Tyler in the kitchen. Um, But I don't know why he (laughs) put that on Elsa – and made her feel like she did something wrong when she's been his, you know, right-hand woman for so long.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I guess that sort of comes to the point of him just like not really caring about his staff at this point. You know, he's caused someone to like take their own life and then obviously Elsa um, getting what she had done to her. So that was really interesting. i got a few quick final questions before we wrap up um, and we can just kind of rattle these off each. Favorite character and best performance of the ensemble cast? Angus, you go.
4: Um, mine's just going to be twofold. It's going to be um, Chef Slowick and Ralph Fiennes' performance.
2: Nice. Camilla?
3: Um, definitely William Bloom as the food critic. <laughs>
2: <laughs> nice. And Janet McTeer for that?
3: Definitely Janet McTeer as Lillian Bloom, the food critic. <laughs>
2: Nice. And yourself, Mike? Uh, I was pretty torn, but I'm actually going to go a bit left field. Um, I loved Ray Fiennes. I loved Nicholas Holt. I loved pretty much everyone. Bit of an underrated performance, I reckon. John Leguizamo as the actor. A few little one-liners like, "Oh, like I'm a name-dropping whore," and like <laughs> all these things. Like, <laughs> I thought that that his performance was very subtle, and I loved it. Um, favorite character though, again, probably for me, I connected with Tyler the most, not that I'm him, but just that I could laugh so much at how ridiculous you he sure? was.
4: You're a disgrace, man. <laughs> no, no, no. Get in it's the kitchen. Me. I swear it's not me. <laughs>
2: Michael, <laughs> Michael's bullshit. <laughs> One question that I want to finish with. Do you think there will be any potential nominations for any of these characters or the film or the cinematography or anything?
3: No.
4: I think potentially cinematography Maybe Like the um, Just like the cuts of the food and whatnot It's like beautifully filmed But I don't think any um, acting performances Or you know best picture or, or anything like that No soundtrack I think.
3: Can I just ask one question?
4: Because
3: mm. I want it. to know your answer Why do you What was the point of allowing the men to run away?
4: Mm. There was no point I didn't like that
2: scene. I have a few thoughts about this. (laughs) Thank you, Angus. (laughs) I think that (laughs) because they don't kill them. They just retrieve them, like maybe beat them up, rough them up a little bit (laughs) and bring them back. So I think that he literally just wanted to play with them and like scare them a bit more. Because if you think about what the women then have to do, they go inside, they talk with the sous chef about the dish that she's created and she starts crying and we get the like funny quote from um, Janet McTeer's character where uh, the sous chef says that everyone's going to die and then um, Lillian Bloom's like, fuck it, just get me more wine. Like, And I think that she wanted to obviously let the women have their sort of like moment together and then just kind of torment the men, I think. But again, very weird that he did that.
3: Yeah, I think it it pulls the characters into this world of you are here. the 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 scariest thing is to prepare yourself for your own death or to be humiliated because you know you you know that you're going to die. Mm. And I think it was just to, to purely just humiliate them and to bring them down to this level of you will leave your significant others, you will run yeah. for your own life, you think of no one but yourself.
2: Yeah. Especially with the actor. He's like, ah, fuck it. Like, I don't care about you anymore. Yeah. So I thought that was a great scene. Any other final takes before we wrap up?
4: I got a little final fact. Um, So about three years ago, 2019, the original cast was set as like Fiends still playing Chef Slowick, but Emma Stone playing Margot. Mm. Um, and she dropped out Ooh. because of a scheduling conflict, so that pushed the film back a couple of years. And then they got Anya on. So I honestly, I honestly think it still would have been like, yeah, very, very enjoyable if Emma was on board. She's she's like amazing. Um, but it's good to see Anya. Like she's in a few things, but now she's obviously up and coming. And you know everything she puts out, we want to go see.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Interesting. I think um, Emma Stone's performances are more emotional mm. and I wonder if that would have changed the direction of the narrative as well.
2: Mm. Yeah, good point. I think, um, yeah, it obviously ended up being an amazing film and Anya did incredibly and worked off Ray Fiend so well but, yeah, does it does raise a… No, Emma, Emma would have put point. in an
4: absolutely great performance as well.
2: So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Either or is fine. Yeah, absolutely.
3: <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say as well my favourite quote of the film… Do it. Um, Is you'll eat less than you desire and more than you deserve.
2: Mm.
4: Think about that, people.
2: (laughs) So that is a wrap for The Menu. Amazing film. As always, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Cinemates, a podcast where a bunch of mates chat about cinema over some drinks. And huge thank you to Angus and Camilla for coming on the podcast. It was great chatting with you. Thanks,
4: mate.
3: Thanks for having us, Michael.
2: Bye,
4: Camilla. I miss you.
3: (laughs) Bye, guys. I miss you so much.
2: (laughs) (laughs) As always, please let us know what you want to hear about in future episodes by sending us a DM on Instagram or TikTok at cinemaes underscore. Otherwise, we'll catch you for the next episode.